Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Tonight, the Padres begin a four-game set against the Mets at Petco. And our host, Mike Janela, is none too happy that New Yorkers will be hanging around our fair city for four days. I actually puked in my mouth. Alongside Mike, it's Bill Center, who'd really like to see the Padres stick it to the New Yorkers tonight. Bill, you, I can see it in your face. You are itching no, for I, a win tonight. Really, I really want this game. I, I want the Padres to win this game tonight. I really do. And rounding out the crew, we've got Jordan Carruth. Mostly here because Bill appreciates the fact that he's found a euphemism for old. And Bill... We're going to go ahead and lean on your experience here. Now, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the Western Metal Supply Company building, it's Padre Social Hour with your hosts, Mike Janella, Bill Center, and Jordan Carruth. Well, boy, I hope none of my friends and family back in and around New York are watching. Somebody's about to get offended. How's it going, everybody? Social hour coming up to right now. we got a 7-10 start. The Mets are in town, and the Padres uh, get them for four games as we are here in the AMR studio with the experienced Bill Center and the young whippersnapper Jordan Carruth. How's it going, guys? Going great. Going really good. I mean, uh, tonight's going to be interesting because tough right-hander. Padres haven't done that well against right-handers so so far, I think this could be a very interesting table setter here. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, Colin Ray. We'll get right. to that a little bit <clears throat> later on. We'll also uh, talk about the game yesterday. Another shutout for the Padres. What else is new, unfortunately? Uh, we'll talk about that. But a lot of other stuff going on today, too. We've got uh, James Shields supposed to be swinging by. So we'll hopefully talk to him in a little bit. Uh, MLB.com announced their top 30 international prospects today. Uh, some of whom were born in the year 2000, which freaks me out a lot. Uh, we have uh, Jonathan Sanchez, who wrote that piece, uh, calling in. La- or Jesse Sanchez, sorry, uh, who wrote that piece, calling in. So uh, I'll talk about that. But a big thing we're going to talk about now, and make sure to let us know what you think about all these topics using hashtag PadresSH and jumping in on the conversation at Padres.com slash social hour, is the Padres Hall of Fame announcement, which was announced I mean, two hours ago. Yeah, two hours ago. Right. Pretty fresh news. And uh, the Padres tweeting out that the Padres Hall of Fame 2016 class includes Ken Caminiti and Ted Williams. Right. Quickly, we'll get to a little uh, video here, but quickly, what, uh, you were heavily involved in this, Bill. I know. I like it. I actually I, I like the two picks. I had Caminiti as the next person I should be in, that, that should be in. And then I also, I like the idea that Ted Williams, because one, he was an original Padre. He went straight from Hoover High to the outfield at Lane Field. And 
he <coughs> Ted Williams is very much a San Diegan, always, always, even when he was played all those years with Boston, remained a San Diegan at heart. And he struck up the friendship with Tony Gwynn in 92 and, and again in 99. And then he came back to San Diego in 98 and helped uh, talk up the fact that the Padres needed to have a downtown home. I, I like the idea of Ted Williams being in the Hall of Fame. Jordan, initial reaction to the two guys getting in? Yeah, with Ted Williams, I think it's really easy to think about Tony Gwynn, whether you're thinking about Tony, you think of Ted Williams, just the relationship and the way they modeled themselves on the field. For Ken Caminetti, he's such a unique player in Padres history. Part of the history that a lot of people look back on when it comes to Padres baseball, the years that he was here, the four years, you get to see him on a 96 team, a 98 team. I know we're going to uh, hear from a video with him and everything, but he, he was a, a such a unique player at such a unique time with the Padres organization. Yeah, and that MVP award that right. now 20 years later, I mean, that season was. I mean, that year, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, the M unanimous MVP, plus he was, he was the team leader. He was the guy that kept that all together. I remember, <coughs> I remember when Caminetti was, was really hurting, and he'd, he'd poke his head. Bruce Bochy wouldn't have him in the starting lineup. And every day, usually when the media was talking to Bochy, he'd pick, pick his, poke his head in the office and say, Bruce, I'm ready to go. And they'd make a late change. And that was – Caminetti was very much a – on the field, I mean, every day he wanted to be in the lineup. Yeah, and uh, more days than not, he was. Uh, after the Padres made that announcement, a couple of people tweeting at us, you know, you guys are going to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Um, and a jelly man had a tweet that he uh, sent our way. He said his two favorite Cami stories, the Snickers incident and the ingrown toenail removal by pliers in right. the dugout. Yeah. Again, the toughness right there. And uh, speaking of the Snickers incident, so Blooper dug up this awesome video a couple weeks ago. It's, it's from the team, not DVD back then. but It's a recap from the 96 season. Right, it's the 96 Padres team recap, and we jump right into that Snickers incident. And uh, Friar Gal also tweeted how she remembered how they redid the Macarena to the right. Dan Caminiti. Right. So get ready to dance, bring back your Macarena moves, because we're going to get to that as well. Let's take a look at this video. Uh, it's a nice little trip down memory lane, especially apropos on this Padres Hall of Fame announcement day. They had a list of things you could eat and couldn't eat, and they gave us pills to take every day. Uh, one on the list was don't eat anything, any vegetation that grows under the ground, and I just completely forgot. <laughs> Here comes Caminetti being carried by two guys, and he, he was uh, in such pain that, you know, the concern no longer was whether he was going to play that day. It was whether, you know, he, his well-being was all right. Well, I was pretty sick. They laid him down. He was in his fetal position. Really, it look, looked as bad as any player I've ever seen. And I call Hutch, and I don't usually try and bug the trainers late at night, but I said, you got to help me. I'm about to die. And Dr. Fronick and uh, another doctor were in there working on him, and uh, they end up hanging this uh, coat hanger up on, on the uh, ceiling right beside my office and had the IV hooked up to him. Put two bags of solution in me. I walked by him, but with about 20 minutes to go in the game, heading out toward the field, and came and said, don't give up on me. They wanted to take my vitals, and I said, we got a full seven game. I got to go out and get ready. I said, hey, there's no way you're playing today. But for some reason, I didn't ride out the lineup completely. They took the IV out, like, right before 4 o'clock, and we had a full seven game. Sure enough, about five minutes before the game, here he comes. He's putting his shirt on, his hat, and 
He goes out there and makes a few throws, and he says, hey, I'm ready, let's go. I said, I don't know if I ate the Snickers before the first at-bat or after the first at-bat. If you would have wrote a script about this in a movie, you, you wouldn't have believed it. Give me a Snickers. King size. Wilson's pitch hit in the air to left center field. Lance Johnson looking back, way back. Goodbye, home run into the sea of white. Wilson's pitch hit in the air to right field. Lance Johnson going back. Warning track, looking up. And goodbye, home run. A three-run shot for Ken Caminiti. And his second home run of the game. His What's really funny is, is Wally Joyner, because he's like the, the, the clown on the team. Well, <laughs> he had struck out three times straight. And after his third strikeout, he walked into the dugout, laid down on the uh, uh, dugout floor. He said, give me an IV and a Snickers. As the tale of Senor Snickers' feet in Mexico was told and retold, becoming instant legend, Caminiti emerged as the prime MVP candidate. High fly ball, right center field. That ball to the wall. At the wall, it is out of here. Grand slam home run, Caminiti. Four-nothing San Diego. He lived up to that role the rest of the season, earning National League Player of the Month honors in both August and September, despite a torn rotator cuff in his left shoulder that would require extensive postseason surgery. In August, he drove in 38 runs, hit 344 with 14 homers, a National League record for switch hitters. His four multi-homer games included three in which he homered from each side of the plate. In 95, he had become the first to accomplish the feat more than twice in a season, and by mid-September of 1996, he had done it seven times in two seasons. After hitting 375 in September, Cammy had 40 home runs, 130 RBIs, and was a unanimous choice for MVP. Caminiti was inspiring new lyrics to the summer's most popular beat. This one grabbed by Caminiti. Man, that's one you can hang a star on. It's going in. Ball. Round slam. Ken Caminiti. Need a hero call on Caminiti. You can bet the man is always ready. Grand slamming. He's jamming. You can always count on Caminiti. From the left side, from the right side. Either way, you're sitting as a bright side. Hey, there's a man that we know, Caminiti. He can dive, he can slide, and he's piling up the ribbies. The MVP playing here in our city. Hey, Caminiti. Hey, there's a man that we know, Caminiti. It's a home run and it sure looks pretty. Plays when he's hurt because the man is tough and gritty. Hey, Caminiti. Now don't you worry about the line drives that come his way. You know the man dives. Won't let them get by him. And at the plate, you know they won't deny him. Caminiti to his left. Oh, a great stop in between. Hop Joyner grabs down on the bag and got him. What a great play by Ken Caminiti. Terrific play by Caminiti. Put him on third, hey, the man is like a magnet. Hit a line drive and the man is gonna grab it. Try to steal third, better watch out cause he'll tag ya. Hey, Caminiti. Hey, there's a man that we know, Caminiti. He can dive, he can slide, he can drive in the rippies. The MVP playing here in our city. Hey, Caminiti. Caminiti, a great backhand on the line. An off-balance throw out of first base. What a magnificent star-hanging play. Cobran on the curveball, Caminiti. Big time play, throws from his door. Oh, my goodness, what a play. Every time he does another one, we thought he's made his all-time best and unbelievable. You talk about star hanging, unbelievable throws. Look at this, from the seat of his pants. And it's a strong throw, and the guy's not even in the picture. Diving to this side, it's, 
I don't like to land stretched out because my shoulder's messed up. So when I dove, I kept my shoulder in here, and I kind of went, caught the ball right like that. And when I fell down, I rolled over, and I think I was in this position right here. And there's no way I was going to stand up and throw it. So I just stayed right here and just went, and made it. Awesome seeing all that stuff again. Right. I'm ready to get the, my Macarena moves again. And I saw Jordan moving and grooving during know, one, that video. One of the things that that video reminded me of are the number of times that Caminetti hurt himself making plays. I mean, running into the fence, or, you know, over behind third base. Uh, he, he, he hit the wall a couple times and just tumbled into the seats. He went down hard. I mean, he threw his entire body at the game all the time. And the game in Mexico where they were, you know, the, the Snickers game. Also against the Mets, right. coincidentally, right. the now, team in town this weekend. At the, he hit the two home runs and then almost passed out in the, in the dugout. He was so, he was, I mean, the fluids and everything had helped, got him back to where he needed to be. But when the energy, when the energy went, I mean, he was right back in a, very, in a very bad state. So he had to come out of the game after the two home runs. Yes, there's a lot of controversy with Ken. I mean, we all know the the uh, he admitted that he had used drugs. In fact, he, he that's led to his his demise. But uh, he was he played as hard and was as respected as anybody as a player as anybody I've known. That's a weird thing from that generation. A lot of these guys who at the time were doing things that you know maybe were frowned upon, but were legal. But that didn't change their the hard-nosedness or the approach mentally, right. despite what it was physically. Well, and I think we're starting to see that now right. a lot in, in retrospective history. But, you know, there were some times that Caminiti crossed that legal line, yeah, too, which yeah, he admitted. Yeah, for so. sure. But at the same time, I always, I always really, really respected him as a, as a player, the way he went about the game. I mean, there was nobody that I knew that gave more of himself to play every day than Ken Caminiti. Uh, any thoughts on Ken before we move to the yeah, Teddy Ball game? Just the most, probably the most unique Padre in the history. Just based on, it, it's nice to go back and watch the highlights anytime with Ken Caminetti because you're going back to the really big games, 96, 98, great parts of this franchise. So it's easy to go back and get caught up in that, hearing some old school Ted Leitner, hearing Jerry Coleman there, and hearing Caminetti go through the stories. Yeah, I just think he's probably the most unique player to ever come through this franchise. Ted Williams then, I think a lot of people, especially younger people that may not be historically into baseball, don't realize just how good this guy was. Right. And the fact that he never played, you know, once he got to the Red Sox, that he was never a, a quote-unquote San Diego Padre. But you mentioned earlier, he was. Well, and the importance of, of really becoming a San Diego export to the game, I think, as a pioneer, you can't deny his impact well, to he this went, franchise. The Padres were, uh, that was the first year of the PCL franchise in 1936 and you had this great player at Hoover High named Ted Williams and the Padres offered him a contract coming out of high school now part of it was hype because they wanted to get a local kid into the lineup onto the team and it and it did boost attendance the other part though was he when he joined the Padres he went straight from graduation at Hoover High to the outfield at Lane Field to play for the Padres he was 17 he was not only the youngest player in the Pacific Coast League by, by three years, he was 10 years younger than the average player in the <laughs> Coast League. And the next year, at 18, he hit 23 home runs in the Coast League, which, which was a very high number. There, interesting little sidelight. 
Boston had sent a scout out to see Bobby Doerr, who was also playing for the Padres. And a lot of baseball people thought Bobby Doerr was, you know, a great talent, which he was. He reached the Hall of Fame. When the scout came out here to see Doerr, he went back to Boston and said, I like Bobby Doerr a lot, but I love that kid that they've got. And that's why, that's how Boston came and signed him. Uh, ESPN, it's, they did coincidentally uh, a story that I saw yesterday about unfulfilled potential. They looked at 10 different guys oh. from across different sports that, for whatever reason, never reached maybe the stats they could have gotten. And Ted Williams, now moving into his professional career, because of the war, he lost five parts of five seasons, right. World War II and Korea. They said that you know, he, already his numbers were, were well, he pretty damn held, good. He would have held the home run record. Yeah, he would have held the home run record. They said even today, if you look at today, he still would have been, they projected him as sixth today after all the guys that came right. after him. They said he would still be number one for RBIs. Right. So, yeah, it goes to show you just how good of a hitter he actually was. And you mentioned the involvement with Petco and Park eventually coming down. Uh, definitely two guys that are pretty much no-brainers for having this enshrinement. Um, all right, so that uh, was the big announcement today. Friday, July 1st, will be the Ted Williams induction, and then August 6th will be the Camnity induction here at Petco Park. When we come back, James Shields is here, so send us any questions you have at hashtag PadresSH. Before that, we're calling all casual wine drinkers and connoisseurs. Padres Wine Fest, presented by Southwest Airlines, returns Friday, May 6th, before the Padres take on the Mets at 740. That's tomorrow, actually. I'm losing track of my days already. Sample wines from local and regional wineries. Don't miss the assortment of Maui Jim sunglasses. Get tickets at Padres.com party. James Shields, when we come back right after this. We're not going anywhere, so you shouldn't either. We'll be back with more Padres talk right after this. Coming to you from the AMR studio, this is Padres Social Hour. Before every game, get your Padres talk on with us. This is Padres Social Hour. We're here in the AMR studio getting you set for Mets and Padres at 710. Along with Bill Center, I'm now being joined by... The prop master. So you came on the show last year and brought this giant bat, and now you have your, your huge foam finger. That's right. Foam finger. James Shields, what's up, man? Yeah, man. We're number one. Yeah. I, I see like a lot it. of these out in the stands. It's pretty cool. I mean, you know, now that we're sitting here in the uh, gift shop, I'm, I decided to, to grab me one of those, and it worked out pretty good. Yeah, a little different like than it. the foam fingers that we grew up with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Than the ones that we had. As this kids. is kind of like a Hulk, Hulk or the Hulk. Uh, gloves that they got going on, but uh, it's nice, man. No, it's definitely an eye catcher. Um, thanks for coming on, man. And a reminder if any one of you have questions for James while we have them, hashtag PadresSH is the way to do it. Uh, James, I gotta, I gotta man up with you here because on the show, I'm not the kind of guy that's gonna say one thing when you're not here and then be different in front of your face. All right, I like it. Your first couple of starts, you gave up was three runs, four <laughs> runs, and I said, you know what, James, he's still gonna throw the innings, but I don't know <laughs> if he's that one run two-run only guy, and you have been now, so that's my bad. You've proven <laughs> me wrong. Not the first time someone's done it, but uh, what's been the secret now to getting your, your, your spring your I summer mean, back on track? I mean, I would imagine over my career I've thrown uh, a few one-run games, so uh, yeah. I, got, I got a lot more in me. <laughs> uh, so you got to have a little faith, man, you know? Uh, You're converting me as we speak. Yeah, I, w I would imagine, uh, you know, I'm converting a lot of people, but, uh, you know, it's my job to go out there and pitch and, and do my job out there and, and – uh, you know, I've been feeling feeling pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be as consistent uh, as I possibly can out there. You know, last year you won a lot of games early, and but you struggled a little bit on the mound. This year, you're it's it's strange because how it works out because this year you're really pitching well and you're not getting the wins. That's it's it's, <laughs> it's 
it's not how you pitch sometimes is when, you know. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of good pitchers in this league. I mean, uh, you know, we've been, we've been getting pitched you pretty well this year, and, and you know, there's been some games where we just we just bang on some pitches and games we don't, you know. And so you just got to – you can't really control that as a pitcher. You just got to go out there and be consistent, try to throw quality starts, keep the team in the game, give, give us a chance to win every night. You've drawn some interesting head-to-head matchups too. <laughs> This yeah, whole team—it's like aces every time out. <laughs> right. You guys yeah, are facing. Yeah, I mean, it, well, you know, it's, it's, it's what the games the games come to now. There's a lot of good pitchers, like I said. I mean, you know, there's not just the number one guy, and you're only facing one guy throughout a uh, five-man rotation. You, you're you're facing, you know, even their number three, number four guys are have number one stuff. So it's uh, you know, it's been, you know, it's it's, it's been a challenge, but um, you know, it's always fun. What's the secret to the durability this year? We see all the guys falling down around you, Tyson and Robbie, and you just keep every year. It's like a, it's a metronome. <laughs> Is it genetics? Do you do anything special? Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, necessarily. I, I think it's, you know, obviously it has to do with uh, hard work and, and the, the work I put in in between starts and the work I put in the offseason, um, trying to get my body right every single year. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I chalk it up to luck, man. I mean, to be honest with you, um, you know, you, you can have a guy who works hard every single day and, and he blows out in the first game he throws in the big leagues. Um, but you got to be consistent with your routine for, mo- for the most part. I mean, if you're consistent with your routine and, you know, you have a good training staff and you get, get your work done and um, take care of your body, I mean, I think it's, you, you have a good shot. Is it the durability? I mean, when you look back over your career, is it the durability that you carry as, you know, as the badge Every time you go out there, yeah. I mean, from day one, ever since I entered the big leagues, I mean, my 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 main objective is to go deep and save the bullpen. I mean, that's been my main objective. I haven't been one of those guys that, you know, I've been big on strikeouts. I mean, I get strikeouts, you know, but uh, I, I'm not big on strikeouts. I'm not big on, you know, uh, whether or not, you know, I, I just I just like to go deep in the game. And I mean, I, I'm kind of like an old school soul, is what I always tell people, you know. And uh, you know, when I take the ball, I expect to go nine. You know, do it, does it happen every single time? No, it doesn't. But I expect to go nine and save that bullpen, no matter how many runs I've given up. I mean, I've given up runs in the f- in first inning, four runs in the first, and I went nine. You know, right. so um, you know, bottom line is, I mean, I, I think there's a very important factor of a guy who who eats up innings and saves that bullpen. I mean, the most important thing I think throughout the season is to be able to save that bullpen for the September. So is it what it? Some pitchers want to get to 100, 200 innings. Yeah, but I think that you're. Your mark's beyond that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously the 200 inning mark is 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 a nice mark. You right. know, um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to do it um, over the last nine years, and and uh, hopefully continue to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I it doesn't matter 200, 220, 230. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, I just try to go as deep as I can. I mean, I, I don't really have a set goal by the end of the year. I just whatever happens at the end of the year is going to happen. I just want to be able to save my guys back into the into the bullpen there. And with all the injuries happening now, it becomes even more valuable, right. bullpen, plus stabilizing the, the starting staff. We've got our first Twitter question from the guys at the East Village Times. Uh, James, what are your views on the infield shift? It's been a lot more <laughs> of it this year. Uh, in particular, when you give up a three-hopper through a vacated area at shortstop. It's I, think, a, it's I, think, I think my last game kind of proved, proved uh, <laughs> I got a lot of uh, infield hits last game. I mean, uh, you know. But, I mean, I, I like I – like, uh, you know, for the most part, I like sabermetrics. I like the shifts. I like uh, that part of the game. Um, you know, I control my own game. That's what fans need to understand. Uh, you know, I, I control whether or not we, we, we shift guys. They give me suggestions. Um, now with other guys like Colin Ray, guys like that, you know, they're, they're going to do the, for the most part, you know, play the defense as the coaching staff. But, uh, you know, I, I like to control my game. I know what I do out there. And, and uh, I definitely do like the shifts. I think it works. Um, 
you know, sometimes it doesn't work for you, but if it works 75% of the time, it's going to be successful. Do the shifts take away sometimes, though, how you want to work a specific batter? Uh, absolutely not, because I know my game plan going in. Um, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, if, if you get a guy like Arenado, for instance, I mean, if a guy hits, if he hits a 14 hopper through the four, for the, you know, right to second base and he gets a base hit, you know, it's a lot better than him hitting a double or a home run, you know, and, and you get to the next guy. But uh, um, it's, it, it's, it's definitely hard to hit as a hitter, too. So it's not as easy to just shoot the hole there, right. you know. I mean, they shift Matt Kemp all the time. He tries to shoot the hole, and he just, it just doesn't happen sometimes, you know. But uh, it definitely doesn't change my game plan. Then. Do you see the game, though, changing in the next couple of years with all the shifts that, that you know, it's a game of adjustments. Right. You adjust, the hitters adjust. Do you see a couple of years down the road that hitters start to make adjustments start trying more to go the other way with a I don't think so because <coughs> bottom line is everyone wants the big numbers you know um, you know obviously average is a great great number but you know when it comes to it I mean you got your home run guys you got your average guys you got your speed guys um, I don't think the game's going to change dramatically no yeah, you're not going to tell a Matt Kemp or a David Ortiz hey just drop a bunt the other way every time up that's not a, a proper use of their skill set right exactly yeah. I mean like Matt Kemp's an RBI guy you know a big pop he's an RBI guy you know you're not going to tell them to I mean obviously I've had, trust me I've had poppy bunt on me a few times <laughs> in the other shifts but uh, you know but uh, yeah I mean you, you know guys are going to be their guys I mean it, you know they're not going to change too much you know hitting's hard enough you know speaking of home runs at the end of last year you were not happy <laughs> with the, with the number of home runs, and in fact, the last time you pitched, you you told everybody it's not going to be this way next year. <laughs> so, did, is it a did you make any adjustments, uh, or did it is just the fact that it's not going to happen again? Well, I mean, it might happen. You right. never know. You know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, what, three, three straight games not. now without a long ball. Uh, right? Yeah, three or Something four. Like I don't know. Whatever. I don't really keep track of it. You know, honestly, I don't. You know, everyone needs to know. I don't. I don't care about home runs. I, I really don't. I mean, most of my home runs I give up in my career are solo, solo home shots. Runs. Right. Yeah. So solo shots don't I, kill yeah, you. I think I gave up 28 solo home runs last year, or something like that. I don't know how many it was, but uh, I do know. I do know one thing that um, you know. I don't really care about home runs because I'm aggressive. Um, you know, I'm going to be around the plate. Uh, you know, I'm going to make my mistakes, but, uh, you know, hitter, hitters are aggressive as well. But I've, I've, I haven't been one to not give up home runs in my career, you know. I mean, I'm, I've always been giving up home runs, but, you know, I, I, my dad actually was joking with me in spring training. He's like, uh, you know, the more you walk out the front door, the more you're going to fall on your face sometimes, you know. It's, you know, he said I, I, like, I, like I, <laughs> I throw a lot of innings. I throw a lot of innings, you know, and I, I get more opportunities than some guys. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. I'm not really too worried about it. We've got to, to get you a little bit off the field. We've got another question coming in from uh, Flip Mode 1904 on Twitter. Flip Mode. Flip Mode. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a cool guy, easy going. So he wants to know, James, any fun dugout pranks that you can share with us? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, we always, use, you know, we, I haven't actually done this in a few years, but we've always used to do the uh, hot foot, you know, where you, 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 you get the pre wrap tape around them, kind of light it on fire, and it kind of lights. And, and, you know, lights it up on the back, you know, put the bubble gum on the hat. Uh, you know, we, I, I, the other day I put, uh, you know, sunflower seeds in the back of uh, Colin Ray's hoodie. So when he, when at the end of the game we shook high fives, came in the dug, or came in the clubhouse, you know. <laughs> he, uh, he ended up uh, dumping it all over his head. And I mean, you know, we like to have fun in there. I mean, it, we, we play 162 games, 181 days. It's, it's definitely monotonous. Um, you know, we, we like to have fun in there because we are little kids. At the end of the day, we are playing a baseball game. Um, you know, we try to keep it light in there. Yeah, if you didn't have fun, this <laughs> would be, I mean, it would be a, it's already a grind. Yeah, yeah. But if you didn't have fun, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a stressful enough game as it is. Yeah, you and, know. and you know, I mean, you've been around teams sort of all in the different stages of development. When you came up with Tampa, right. there's a team on the rise. Uh, you left them and they were, you know, you left them in a World Series kind of place. How has that experience been translated to this team now? You have some other veterans with you, but some young guys too. Uh, do they look to you to kind of, hey, how do we act in this situation? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, players put more pressure on themselves than everyone else, you know, the fans, the media, whatever. I mean, we put more pressure on ourselves than, than anybody else does. So, um, but we have to keep it loose in the clubhouse. We have to keep it fun. Uh, you know, when you're having fun, you're winning. You know, when you're having fun, you're playing loose baseball. You're, you're playing the, the, the top baseball that you like to, like to play. And I want the fans to understand how much fun we are having, you know. But also on the other side, I want them to know that we're competing every single night. You know, and, and uh, a lot of people don't see what we do in the clubhouse. A lot of people don't see what, how hard we work in the gym, in the training room, getting ourselves prepared every single night. So, um, but yeah, we definitely want to. We want to show the fact that we do have fun and, and we enjoy this game. Uh, the one thing that strikes me about you, and I've seen it a couple times. I mean, talk about the competitive nature. <laughs> you don't like to see that manager coming out in the middle <laughs> of an inning. I saw it last year a couple times that when. This, the walk started. You could just see on your face, like, what the heck are you doing coming out here? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's just that just be me being competitive. That's it, man. I, that's that's why I play this game of baseball is is, is to be competitive and 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 I think every every kid growing up, you know, it's they try to be as competitive as they possibly can, you know. And uh, whether or not I like the the manager taking the ball from me on on the mound, uh, I, d I definitely don't like it. Uh, <laughs> You know, if, if it was up to me, I'd like to just tell him I'm done and, and I'm good to go. But I know I understand how the game goes, and, and, you know, the manager understands that as well. But How many times have you been able to talk the manager out of it? <laughs> Not very many. I mean, it, when, I, when I was playing for Joe Madden in Tampa, you know, he was, he was already, you know, as soon as he walked out of the dugout, he already made the decision, you know, because he knew I was going to try to talk him out of it. Uh, but uh, when I was in uh, Kansas City, Ned Yost was a little more easy on that. He kind of uh, left it up to me a lot, um, which was, uh, you know, when you're a veteran, you, t you tend to get that kind of uh, respect from the manager. Right. Um, you know, and you have to understand yourself and, and, and what you're going to do for the team as well. So um, the other night, Andy Green came out, out to the mound. He asked me how I was feeling, um, you know, and, and I said, I'm, I'm good to go. And I right. ended up striking the next guy out and, and in the inning. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, a, a few times probably. All right, well, I'll continue. Best of luck. Keep shutting guys like me up with your performance, yeah. James. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll try to do that every time I get out, man. Yeah, man. You got to get on board, though, man. We're, we're, about, to, we're about to shine. Hey, so that's look, about a six looking six forward finger. to it. Right. That's about a six-finger fastball. Yeah, I think, I think I can throw a couple change up. Yeah, see what you can do with that one <laughs> this weekend. James Shields, thank you very much, man. We'll see you again all soon. Guys. Calling all University of San Diego students, fans, and alumni, join the Padres for USD night at Petco on Friday, tomorrow, when the Padres take on the Mets. With a special theme game ticket package, you'll receive a limited edition USD-themed Padres hat. Get your tickets at Padres.com slash theme games. Jesse Sanchez from MLB.com joins us next to talk international prospects on Padres Social Hour. Your home for everything Padres before every game all season long. More of Padres Social Hour continues right after this. You want to talk Padres? Lucky for you, we're doing exactly that. This is Padres Social Hour from the AMR studio inside Petco Park. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. Uh, James Shields, thanks again. Uh, Jellyman tweeting in, no-nonsense guy, a true Cali guy, a laid-back pros pro. I think that pretty much sums it up. Right. 
So we go from uh, one pro's pro to another now on the Cholula hotline. And from MLB.com, it's Jesse Sanchez, who just today had published the top 30 ranked prospects in the international pool. So we welcome him on the show now. Jesse, how are you? Hey there, how are you? Doing great. Uh, thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, uh, yeah, happy to talk to you guys. Yeah, one of our uh, Twitter followers earlier today, Big Ahi, had asked us, Jesse, after your uh, article came out, what is the Padres' plan for this international spending period? So we had to get you on the line. It's, uh, with the way the season's going, this is something Padres fans are really latching onto: is this international signing pool, what's going to happen July 2nd. Um, for, for a team like the Padres in a franchise, how important is it? And, you know, just how much stock should people be putting into this group of players? You know, here's, here's the, the reality of it. If you think about the important dates in baseball, there's like the July 31st non-waiver tread deadline. There's the first-year player draft. There's the first uh, day free agents can sign. Uh, all these different important dates in baseball. So July 2nd, the start of the international signing period, is just as important or more important than a lot of those dates. And the reason is it gives – major league organizations the chance to stock their systems, to fill their foundations, if you want to say, uh, with players, with young players. It gives the opportunity, especially for a team like the Padres. It's a great example. The Padres have several picks in the first-year player draft, you know, the uh, domestic side, and they're going to be very aggressive on the international side. So you combine those two, par those two you know, strategies on the domestic and the international and there's a really good chance, you know, come the end of the summer or the middle of the summer after July 2nd, after the draft in June, that the Padres are going to be in a pretty good position having stocked their system with minor league players. And I think that's one of the goals of the international July, you know, July uh, 2 international signing period is to stock system with, with players and also hopefully find the potentially, you know, the potential next Felix uh, Hernandez, find the next Miguel Cabrera, one of these stars from Latin America. That's what these organizations are looking for. Jesse, you knew that, I mean, you've dealt with A.J. Preller in this market before. You knew that as soon as he became the general manager of the Padres, that the Padres would be very, very active in that market. How many, I mean, do you think this is an area that the Padres under Preller have been more active than they were before he got here? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I followed the Padres for several years. I actually went down to the Dominican Republic when they opened up their academy. I think it was 2006 or 2007. I, I, the right. exact year escapes me. But I went down there, and what I saw was, it was really interesting. Manny Alexander, who was a veteran and a really decent guy, you know, he was the one speaking. He was the one kind of representing the Padres internationally. They didn't have anybody from the Dominican Republic to, you know, talk to these young players, to, you know, talk to the Venezuelans who would be coming through that academy. And what I've seen since that time, I mean, that experience really stuck out. What I've seen since that time is the Padres really focus on spreading internationally, whether that's Mexico and whether it's the Dominican Republic or Venezuela. I mean, A.J. Uh, Preller's track record, in, with, he was with the Texas Rangers. Obviously, it speaks for itself. There are tons of players there that are making their way through the big leagues or in the minor leagues, and, I, and I'm not surprised he's doing the same kind of – has the same kind of emphasis on international here with the Padres. I think the first year was just a kind of a matter of, you know, uh, evaluating, see where the system was, see what kind of organization it was, 
and now he's kind of implementing his plan. He's going to be aggressive in the international side, and I think you're going to and you're going to know. You see, everybody knows how many picks the Padres have in the draft. So what you're going to see is this club restock their system. I think everybody knows that first year or the first few months, you know, he, uh, the Padres traded away a lot of prospects, and I think they're slowly trying to build that back up. Jesse, uh, how difficult is it to try to hit on some of these players? Is it any different than the normal draft that you would see, or how difficult is it to scout some of these guys? You know, I think it's—I uh, it, guess it's objectively speaking. Personally, I think it's harder to uh, hit on these guys because the track record is not there. I mean, you're not following these guys all the way through high school, through select ball, through. Uh, other guys, junior college guys, or guys who played four years of college. I mean, there's not that much of a tracker record with these younger players. you got to keep in mind, um, they scout these guys when they're 14, 15. Uh, in the Dominican Republic, uh, they don't have high school baseball. You know, only recently have there been formed leagues in the Dominican Republic. There's a league called the Dominican Prospect League. Major League Baseball has a Major League Prospect League. There's another league called the International Prospect League, and those have happened over the last five years. And what those leagues have done is really allow the evaluators to really see these guys in game, where before it was very, you know, traditional workouts, you know, running the 60 outfield drills, infield drills, BP, you know, uh, running the bases, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's always difficult. I think scouting is a very hard job, but I think it's especially difficult when you're with a 16-year-old, you know, trying to project what he's going to be like how he's going to handle everything, how his body's going to grow. Uh, but scouts, you know, they do their best they can. They, they look at the tools. They, they, they interview these guys. They spend some time with their family. They, you know, uh, I think that's where A.J. Perla has an advantage over some people because he can speak Spanish. You know, he has a long history in uh, Latin America. I think that's, you know, a big advantage for the Padres. And it's just it's a tough call. I mean, you hope these guys are going to pan out, but you just never know. Yeah, well, all right, Jesse. It's going to be, uh, as MLB Pipeline tweeted out, the Padres are considered favorites to sign three of the top ten in your rankings and six of the top 30, not even including some of the Cubans that aren't listed because they haven't been cleared yet that the Padres are potentially frontrunners for as well. So it'll be an exciting July, and uh, thanks for checking in with us. We appreciate the time. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, that was Jesse Sanchez on the Cholula Hotline. Uncap real flavor with Cholula hot sauce, the hot sauce with the iconic wooden cap, and the official hot sauce of the San Diego Padres. We're back with more Padres Social Hour on a beautiful Thursday night here at Petco right after this. We'll continue to get you ready for today's game with more right after this. You've got Padre Social Hour coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store at Petco Park. Before every game, get your Padres talk on with us. This is Padres Social Hour. Here in the AMR studio as Padres and Mets game one of their four-game seconds underway here in just a little bit. Just got off the phone with Jesse Sanchez from MLB.com talking prospects, international prospects, and and Phil, you talked about it in the break. The crazy thing is the age factor that right. people don't really realize right. with these youngsters. These kids, a lot of them are 15 right now. They're going to be 16 at the at – the, they, they can sign at 16. In the United States, you're drafting high school kids at 17 and 18. You're drafting college kids at 20 or 21. Now you get this 16-year-old kid in the international market – the clock starts, and it can run out. He can be an inter he the can team be control a, clock, yeah. right? And he can be a free agent by the time he's 21 or 22, which is normally the time that you're just developing a player. 
Cesar Vargas of the Padres. Excellent. I mean, his clock ran out with the Yankees at 22 or tw 23, and the Padres were able to sign him. Right, when a lot of college guys are getting drafted after graduating. Right, And these guys have exactly. been doing it for eight years they're, already. They're, they're one year into the organization yeah. at a time when these kids are just learning, really developing. What would you have done with a million-dollar signing bonus at age 16 in Jordan? Could you imagine? Uh, no, I really can't imagine a million dollars at 16. But so many things change for these players around that time. Like Bill says, you're usually getting drafted coming out of high school a couple of years out of college. So many things can change. Well, that's a tough thing for me for this stuff is these guys are 15, 16. Right. Their bodies aren't even close to what they're right. going to be. How do you know that this guy is the next Miguel Cabrera, the next Felix Hernandez when – they literally have a whole decade before you can know what they're going to be. One of the things that's interesting to me is the number of shortstops that the Padres are, are signing in the international market. And a little correction more. from the last 10 right. years, well, maybe, not, at the not big league level? that is that your, your shortstops are the kids that are most, most athletic, they're, you know, and they can develop and grow into different positions. They can grow out of, of right. shortstops. They, yeah. they can become outfielders. They can become third basemen. You're not going to find a shortstop. You know, you're not going to find an outfielder and make him a shortstop. It's just crazy. I see the birth dates on these guys: February 2000, right. to April 2000. It makes me feel like I'm a thousand years old. You it are. Makes me feel like Bill. Uh, a popular tradition from the late 90s: Domingo's Padres, presented by T-Mobile, returns this season on Sunday, May 8th. That's this Sunday before the game against the Mets at 1:40. It's a family-friendly celebration of Hispanic culture that includes food and drinks, entertainment, and themed activities. Tickets at Padres.com slash Domingo's Padres. When we come back, Jordan Carruth looks to keep an undefeated streak going against Blooper. We'll tell you all about that after this on Padres Social Hour. Broadcasting from the Western Metal Supply Company building, you've got Padres Social Hour. And don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more right after this. We're talking Padres all season long. This is Padres Social Hour, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store. All right, let's get to tonight's lineup as the Mets are in town. Now, a tough task ahead for the Padres. We are going to find out who will be the one to do it. We're also going to get the head-to-head uh, -head challenge back on get track. Him, get him. And Bill is hardcore on Team Seth today. Jordan, how does that make you feel? I, I'm 2-0. and I don't need Bill's support right now. So, Jordan, I mean, yeah. This is the best day of my life. All right, so, so far in the Supercuts head-to-head challenge, we've been keeping track, and Jordan is the only person who's undefeated against Blooper so far He's with more than one victory. He's 2-0. and so I'm backing Jordan. I don't even care who he's picking. I'm yeah, already in the hot Seth. hand. Janelle's on my Seth. team. All right, let's take a look at the lineup. Brought to you by United Airlines, proud partner of the San Diego Padres. John Jay in center. Will Myers at first. Matt Kemp in right field. Then Brett Wallace, who's getting hot all of a sudden at third base hitting cleanup. Melvin Upton Jr. in left. Alexei Ramirez at shortstop. Derek Norris, who at this point is having a hard time hitting a ball into the ocean off a boat, Three is for hitting 38. seventh. Right. Jamile Weeks eighth at second base. And then Colin Ray pitching. And yesterday, the point in our Supercuts head-to-head -head challenge actually went to the couch with Melvin Upton Jr. breaking a two-game winning streak for Blooper. So the score is now 10-9 to on the season, Blooper up ahead. But he gets the pick today. Blooper, you got? I am going to go with uh, Colin Ray. He came on the program yesterday, so that's good luck. So the fact he's going against Jacob DeGrom, who threw a, a two-hitter here last year right. and has uh, not allowed more than one run in three starts. None of those things. Does not diminish your thought process at all. You've he got came this. On the, he came on the show yesterday. That's it. That's all you need. You've got this, Seth. 
That's, Come on, show that's a stupid reason to make a pick. A uh, Jordan, make. I'm already having faith in your 2-0 becoming 3-0. Well, I appreciate that. So that means James Shields, since he came on the program today, will be blooper's selection on Saturday, correct? That's, that's where we're headed? Planning ahead, using that blooper logic, which I guess so is whoever, in effect now. Whoever represents the couch on Saturday. Just, uh, just make your losing pick. Lo all right, let's go back to the records, Bill. I believe he said 2-0. and And I think every time I come on, I have chosen the same person. You have so far. You gonna go with it again? I am not. Oh, I'm going that to person was Will Myers. Will Myers was batting like 900 when I came on the show. You're and going down. Him. Just make your pick. So I'm gonna go today because Luigi told me to. Matt Kemp, rocking the 27 jersey. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. So we'll you, go Kemp this you time. You picked the guy who already has eight home runs and who Will Myers said is the best player he's ever played with. And Blooper is taking a rookie pitcher against a defending rookie of the year, a stalwart of a National League pennant winning rotation. Jacob yeah. DeGrom was not on social hour yesterday. Smart. Uh, yeah, if Flooper has his way, he might be on tomorrow. Uh, smart pick, Jordan. I, I like it. Jordan I'm with you. Rhymes with loser. In what language, Bill? Uh, at Supercuts, they pay attention to every detail. The cut, the lines, the hot towel finish so you can feel sharp, clean, and ready to go. Find a Supercuts near you at supercuts.com. We have a huge announcement, maybe the biggest one in social hour history when we come back. Don't miss it. We're back after this. Broadcasting from the Western Metal Supply Company building, you've got Padre Social Hour. And don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more right after this. We're talking Padres all season long. This is Padres Social Hour, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store. All right, the big announcement. Here it is. Bill Center, your, this is your last show, right? That's what yeah, you Yeah, right. Right. Uh -huh. We couldn't was, get him out of here if we wanted. I was here before you were. I'll be here after you're gone. Yeah, let's take a bet. We'll find out. Right. We'll see. It sounded uh, like a threat. Yeah, I know, right? A <laughs> promise from Bill. I uh, know we've been teasing this now for a week, and I tweeted this out last week, earlier in the week. said, coming soon to Padre's social hour, Seth Foster and I get up to no good on the field at Petco Park. And I tweeted out a video of us stretching, and we've been a little bit cryptic about what it is. So here's what happens. Last year, Seth said that he could get to third base faster than Bartolo Colon could get to second on a double he hit for the Mets. I said on this very show a couple weeks ago, I think when you were here, yeah. that I could do a home run sprint trot faster than Adam Rosales. We decided to test it out. So, so we're going to show it on tomorrow night's show, the video results on how we did. Do you guys think we were both right, both wrong, one of us right, one of us wrong? So how do you think we did? I got Seth doing it. You have Seth successfully over right. Cologne, I need to know me. the times. Rosales went around the bases on his home run like in 16 seconds. 16.2 seconds, seconds yeah. So right. you have to beat 16.2. No, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm saying no to Janela. Right. What does he have to do? I'm beat? putting a tweet out right now. What you guys let us beat? know if you think Seth will do it, I will do it successfully. If we're both successful or both terrible, we'll have it up for 24 hours. Let us know. And Randy Jones and Jesse Adler will be on tomorrow to see the results. 6 o'clock show. Padres Mets coming up next. Thanks for watching Padres Social Hour. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 